0: 15 and it's in page 1098 of the Church Bible. Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against his wisdom or the Spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like that of an angel."
1: And the second reading is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, And so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Just going to invite Josh to, um, to bring the word of God to us. Josh, come forward. I'm just going to pray for you. If you guys want to raise your hands towards Josh and uh, just pray with me
0: just pray for the spirit to fill him so heavenly father thank you for this man lord thank you for his amazing faith in you lord would you fill him now to him with your spirit anoint his lips lord and speak so clearly through him lord come now and open our ears lord to hear your word amen amen thanks Okay, good evening. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, that first reading, page one thousand and ninety-eight, I think it was on, up Acts chapter six, is what principally I'm going to speak on tonight. Uh, do you know, in my preparation, I didn't consider the second lesson, but actually, that second lesson from Corinthians chapter one, chapter twelve. I'm going to be using some things out of that in what I say about the first reading. There is a connection. There is a connection. Uh, And I want to say how amazing it is that God's word has something to say to everybody. Doesn't matter what position you're in, doesn't matter which society you come from, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a child. God's Word has something to say to us. And uh, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, actually an introduction. And, and this chapter, Acts chapter 6, the very first verse, the number of disciples were increasing. What a wonderful thing to be part of a body of Christians that is growing. Growing. Growing in its maturity and wisdom, but growing in numbers. And if you look back through those first few few chapters of Acts, you'll see uh, there are references again and again to the growth of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, just immediately after Pentecost, it says, 3,000 were added to the believers that day. 3,000. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 said, The Lord added to their number daily. Not just on Sundays. The Lord added to their number daily. And again, the preceding chapter, Acts chapter 5, tells us, More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What an incredible thing to be there, to see that to be part of it. And you know there are still bodies of Christians in this world today that that that's happening too. In UK and in this church I believe we're blessed because we do see people coming. We might see it in the ones and twos, but there are places where it's a lot and we should thank God for that. That's the good news. That's the good news. But then this chapter goes on right in the very first verse, just a continuation, uh, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. What changes, eh? What changes, right? Eh, There are challenges, division in complaining. Michael's there, go and ask him, right? Uh, He's probably going to be too polite. But, you know, hey, that's people, isn't it? That's us. That's me. I complain. I complain. Is there anybody here never complains about anything? Anybody? Wow, OK. Says it all. OK, I'm going to be talking about some of the challenges. Division complaining. OK, I'm going to be talking about priorities. I'm going to be talking about leadership. I'm going to be talking about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 amongst others, and I'm going to be talking about outcomes. So that's what I hope that God has put in my heart to bring to you tonight. So let's start off with challenges. Uh, and we've already said, some things don't change. You know, there's a great tendency, at least I have, uh, and a lot of other Christians I know have, to idolize the early church. It must have been magnificent. Here was the pure Christian faith immediately after Jesus. It must have been wonderful. I'm sure it was. But you know, people's people. Uh, It wasn't as perfect, maybe, as what we like to believe. And, And here's one of the first things. Uh, people are people. And in this chapter, it talks about how the Hebraic Jews and the Grecian Jews had a problem. And on the surface, it looked like that problem, and it may well have been as simple as that. Widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The church was growing. and, And in the Jewish roots of the church, there was a custom to collect food and money, and do a weekly distribution to widows and orphans. And Christians seem to be carrying that on. But here was a division. There was a complaint. Uh, That complaint may have marked a deeper division, you know, because here were two, not just groups uh, from the same faith, but groups who were of Different nationalities, yes, they were Jews, but one had grown up and considered themselves those of the pure Jewish faith because they were Hebraic, they were born in Palestine in Israel, their families had been there, the others had not been born in Israel they'd been born in the great dysperia of the Jewish people. Uh, And it talks about them being Grecian, most of them from the Greek world. And the language they would have spoken would have been Greek. The language that people spoke in Israel, the language of Jesus, was Aramaic. There was a clear difference in nationality and in language. And there was resentment. There was resentment. It may not have been intentional that the Hebraic Jews overlooked the Grecian Jews, their widows. But, but it's quite probable that there were some deeper divisions in that community. And I wonder, does that sometimes mark us out as Christians as well? We need to see what divides. We need to recognise that there are issues which need addressing And we need to pray about them, we need to consult about them, and we need to act to root them out. The Bible has some things to say about divisions and complaining. And in that first bullet out there, I've said some of them. Philippians 2, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without defect, in a crooked and depraved generation. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do I? Do we? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12, it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Jesus himself, John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21, very, very famous, praying not for the disciples, but those who come to believe through what the disciples have said. That's us. Many generations down the line, Jesus says that he prays for unity, that they will all may be one. They all may be one. There were no Hebraic Jews, no Grecian Jews, no men and women, no slaves or free, no Irishmen or Englishmen, or Ukrainians or Russians, all one in Christ. Unity. And that's something we need to strive and work at because it's very human even for small things to be picked at and to grow. And that seems to be what was happening in the early church. It was being manifested in itself. There were challenges. It was not a perfect, perfect church. Okay, so how, how do we meet challenges like this? How did the leadership meet these challenges? Okay. And uh, it tells us in uh, verse 2, The twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, they weren't being demeaning. They weren't saying, oh, we're too good to wait on tables. That's not what these men were saying. They were the twelve apostles. Judas wasn't one of them anymore but they had chosen another man earlier on in Acts, Matthias, to take his place. These were the apostles. Apostles means one who is sent. If you have an apostolic ministry, you are sent. Apostolic. Thank you, my wife. She's just keeping me right when I say the wrong word. Okay. And these 12 were keeping the main thing that God had given them the main thing. They were keeping the main thing, the main thing. Okay. Matthew 28, verse 19. Uh, Very simple, very well known. It says Jesus' words to these men were, uh, "'Go and make disciples of all nations.'" That's what Jesus said to these men. That's what he says, actually, to us too. But that's what he said specifically to these men. He said in the very first chapter of Acts to these men, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They had a very specific calling from Jesus and they were very conscious of what that calling was. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, this. It says, when I can find it, <laughs> excuse me, And you'll probably find it before me, I do. But Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? These men felt the burden of being appointed by the Lord Jesus to preach the word. By the word. People would be convicted by the Holy Spirit, they would accept Christ, and their lives would be changed. And they felt that command deeply, and they felt that is what they were being called to. I wonder what our purpose is. Our purpose, as well, I believe, is to go and make disciples. It mightn't be by preaching, but it is. In the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, to be the salt and light, to let our light shine. We have a calling from Jesus as well. And in all we do, we must remember to keep the main thing the main thing. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are there to witness and to let our light shine for him and we must remember that is our priority. Wherever it is, not just here in a church setting, but in our work situation, in our family situation, in schools, in homes, that's the main thing. That's what Christ calls us to be, the salt and the light, to let our light shines. We must hold on to priorities. We must remember This passage is something to say about leadership as well. And uh, the first thing is that good leaders listen and consult. And you have it right there. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together. First point is the twelve. There were twelve of them. Wasn't one. The twelve must have met to decide what are we going to do? They then went and got all the disciples together and they told them. But they'd obviously prayed about it, thought about it, consulted themselves as good leaders. The second thing is they did set priorities. And I've already talked about that. Verse 2, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God. And in verse 4, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word, they knew what their priorities were. They delegated. They knew they couldn't do everything themselves. And it tells us what they told the disciples. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. They knew they couldn't do everything. I wonder, do we expect our leaders to do everything? Do we come on a Sunday or sometime in the week, whoever is the appointed leader, they're going to have everything done, aren't they? And we don't need to do anything. That's not what God wants leaders to be like. It's not what he wants us to be like. Okay. That passage in Corinthians talks about a body with many parts. And all of us have a part to play in the body. We can't just leave it to poor old Michael or to whoever the appointed leader is. We're all part of that body. We all have a part to play. These men clearly saw and recognised that, and they delegate it. they actually said, to the people themselves, choose seven men from among you. They also told them, not by name who to choose, but they gave them some guidance. And they said, look, these people have to be of good report, full of the Spirit, and have wisdom. If you're going to have a leadership position under God, if you're going to have any kind of Christian responsibility, you you need to think and pray, especially if you have to appoint someone. You need to think, Lord, how do we choose? And scripture gives guidance. You need, if you're going to hold a leadership position, man or woman, to have good character. You need to be trusted. You need to have wisdom. You need to be full of the Spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 3 also provides some good guidance on that. But we need to be discerning in who we choose. And the disciples, the apostles were. They said, these people, these seven people, this is what they had to be like. Okay. And it actually tells us, then, the proposal pleased the group, and then they chose seven. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert, a con- convert to Judaism. These seven, what's interesting was none of them have Jewish names. They were all clearly Grecian Jews. It's also interesting that uh, one of them was a convert to Judaism. Here we begin to see the boundaries of the church being pushed. That it's not just for the chosen people. It's wider than that. Here were the Grecian Jews... The people who had dispersed, who perhaps had lost some of the purity, being included. Here was someone who wasn't even a Jew to begin with, but had been a convert, being included. It begins to set the tone of where the church is going to go, of what God's plan was and is. No one, no one is excluded from the grace of Jesus Christ. No one. Just think about that. Just think about that. That is mind-blowing. It really is. No one is excluded from the grace of Jesus Christ. Not one single person in this room, regardless of what you've done, what you're going to do, no one is excluded. doesn't matter what nation, what gender, whether it's a mixed-up gender, doesn't matter whether you've been married and divorced. No one is excluded from the grace of Jesus Christ. We've just got to recognize that and come to him to receive that grace and then live lives in obedience to him. But no one is excluded from the grace. This is a little taster of that. And they presented these men to the apostles and the apostles commissioned them They prayed and laid their hands on them. Leaders need to be prayed for. Anybody who does anything needs to be prayed for. But especially in leadership positions. Laying on of hands, a very early principle established in the church. People need prayer. Leaders need prayer. We must remember that. We must remember that. I'm going to talk now about gifts, because we've talked about uh, the apostles. We've talked about serving. Okay. Uh, All of us have a part to play. We had that second reading from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12. And and what does it say? Uh, It's it's very clear. It says... uh, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We are one body. We all have a part to play, and we all have different gifts. That same chapter says, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. You know, in Scripture, there are about 20 different Greek words for the gifts that God gives us. And some of them are pretty spectacular gifts. Some of them we might think are pretty ordinary gifts. But they're gifts of God. In Romans chapter 12, it talks about gifts of prophecy, about gifts of serving about teaching, about gifts of being an encourager, about gifts of contributing and giving generously, about gifts of leadership, about gifts of being merciful. I wonder, do we think of some of those as spiritual gifts? Generosity, encouraging, serving, like serving at tables. They're gifts. The Corinthian chapter, 1 Corinthians talks about some of the more eh, charismatic gifts, words of knowledge, healing, miracles. But it also, in 1 Corinthians 12, talks about helping others and administration. And it doesn't say one's any better than the other. It talks about the gift of tongues as being one of the lesser gifts. Okay. But it doesn't really say much else. Ephesians chapter 4 again talks about gifts, talks about prophets and evangelists and apostles. There are still apostles, pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4, of course, goes on to say that these gifts are to equip the body for works of service. Works of service. And indeed, 1 Peter chapter 10 says, We should use whatever gift he ha- we have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We get these gifts to serve. The disciples who believed they'd been called to preach and to pray were serving the people who were appointed to serve at tables were there to serve so the gifts are there for service sometimes god calls us to use gifts or gives us gifts and different occasions for different things stephen one of the seven is mentioned later on in the chapter Verse 8 says, Stephen, this was a man appointed to wait at tables, was a man full of God's grace and power. He did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. There are more spiritual gifts that Stephen was given. And then when he was in terms of debate, verse 10, they couldn't stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. They were, that was a spiritual gift Stephen had been given, wisdom. Talks about Philip. Uh, And if you read on in the book of Acts, uh, you will also read about Philip uh, in Acts chapter 8. After the church is scattered and is persecuted, Philip goes to Samaria uh, and he preaches and proclaims Christ there. So he becomes and is given an apostolic ministry in Samaria. And Philip is also the man who goes and talks to the Ethiopian eunuch later in that chapter as well. So, you know, gifts come singly, doubly, triply, and they come at different times maybe as well. Our job is to receive those gifts, recognize them, to use them to serve. That's what God wants us to do. And if we do serve God faithfully, if we do what God wants us to do, there are outcomes. And there are three outcomes recorded in the early part of this chapter in verse 7. It's very simple. Uh, There was a witness, and the word of God spread, it says in verse 7. And then it goes on there's growth the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And then it tells us there was some unexpected growth. A large number of the priests became obedient to the faith. Don't forget, some of these priests were probably those who had mocked and condemned Christ. And here were some of them recognizing the truth. If the word is preached faithfully, If people are prayerful, if divisions are overcome, if there is service, if there is a filling with the Holy Spirit, there are outcomes that affect the growth of God's kingdom. God doesn't need us to grow his kingdom. In his grace and mercy, he chooses to use people like us. Our job is to let him. To serve just as these seven, just as the apostles and generations that have come after them abed and served. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Should we just close our eyes and should we just?